Well, good morning, Abundant Life. I love the table. I love the opportunity to be together to partake of the body and blood of Jesus. It is unique to us who claim his name. It is a gift that Christ has given us so that we would remember that we belong to him and so that we would recognize his spirit in us and through us. And so I just give thanks to God for that. Amen. Let's give God a hand praise just for his... And this truth helps us as we navigate through just the week that God gives us. I don't know how your week's been the last week or so. There's been a variety of interesting news that I've received, reports that I've heard from just members and and people that are connected with our body. Uh, There was a family that just celebrated the birth of their fourth child. This is kind of all health news. But then there's a person in our congregation who just lost her spouse. She's taken home. There's somebody who had went to the doctor and the x-ray that had previously shown disease now showed nothing, showed cure, showed, yeah, like, thank you, Lord, for that. But then there's somebody else I know who just told me that he has another round of chemo to go through. And then there's a person who's been told that they just have a disease that's going to be chronic for the rest of their days, and they're going to have to manage that. And so all these different health experiences, all these different health reports, if you will, are in my mind as I'm preparing the text that God has us to look at today, which is Acts 3. And we're looking at starting in the first 10 verses, and it's about the miraculous healing of the lame man. And so you think, miraculous healing, this is what God provides, and yet you look around at your church family and you see just a variety of different experiences. And you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, what do you want us to do with that? How do you want us to hear from you in my situation, in the situation of my friends and my family members? So let's just bring our time before the Lord in prayer. Let's ask for his wisdom, his instruction as we explore this text. Amen? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that you gave each of us this day, not by accident, not random, uh, not because you lost track of us, but that we would be your servants, that we would do your will, that we would have this opportunity to glorify you. And so, Lord, we thank you for whatever measure of health you've given each of us, that we could be here. And, Lord, as we explore what your word says, as we explore the power that's in your name to heal, as we explore your calling on us to be participants in that, help us, Lord, understand what you're saying to each of us. Help us to be able to minister to those around us. We praise you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. So if you're just joining us, you know that this is part of our series, by the way, on what, because he lives. This is the idea that as we go through the first six chapters of Acts, that book is unfolding what God's intention is for his church, for his body of believers, for those witnesses that Christ left when he ascended to heaven. And Pastor Toby took us through the first two segments of that, talking about us as witnesses. This is a commission that God has given us. But we'd only be effective witnesses if we had a message. And that was the second installment. Pastor Toby talked about the message of the gospel. It's power to save. And we're going to explore a little bit about his power to heal in our time together. And then last week, you can be a witness, you can have a message, but if you don't have power, what good is that? And we saw in chapter 2 how the Lord gathered the disciples Well, they just found themselves all in one place, and then the Spirit came upon them, and he empowered them to go forward and to start declaring the gospel right away. 
But as if that wasn't miraculous enough, he actually puts his Holy Spirit in each one of us. And that's, we could be here all year, probably should be all year, just exploring what it means to have the Spirit of God working in us and through us. And so that took us uh, through a good portion of chapter 2, and now we find ourselves in chapter 3, looking at, as the disciples go out, as they start to preach, as they start to teach, what happens, what is God doing with them? And so, pick up your scripture, we're going to look at the first 10 verses here in chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have it, I'm reading out of the NIV. Chapter 3 of Acts, beginning verse 1 and going through verse 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now what an interesting, captivating account of what God is doing. Look at, just start to focus on the details for a minute. You see Peter and John, they are going to the temple, they're going to pray, they're doing what good leaders of a church are supposed to do, to go to pray. But God has a different plan for that afternoon. God's plan is that he's going to do a work of wonder through them. And it just starts to unfold naturally, kind of organically. Because there's a guy who's been there for days and years, who's been lame from birth, and he's just sitting at the gate called Beautiful. Scholars aren't quite sure where that was because the temple entrances had a variety of gates, but they believe it was on the east side where most of the people went in. That was the best way to access the temple courts from the court of the Gentiles to the court of the men and the court of the women and on into the deeper recesses of the temple. There, he's on the east side. He's an enterprising guy. If there's more people going that way, then there's more money for me. So that's where he is as he's been carried there each and every day. And so he's just like you see folks sometimes on the streets. They're asking you as you walk by, you have any spare change, got any money? And they're not really looking at you. They just, they'll look at you if you hand them something. And if we're candid, we're not really looking at them either. And that's a whole different sermon. But... Peter and John are on their way in to the temple, and then he asks them for money, and then Peter, we're not, you can see the Holy Spirit at work, but you're not told that the Holy Spirit is working. He's kind of behind the scenes, if you will. And then he says, look at us. He gets the man's attention. He looks right at him, and the man turns to him and says, oh, great, these guys are going to give me something. And what does Peter do? He reaches down to where the man is sitting. He grabs him by the hand. He pulls him up. And as the lame man is being pulled up, what's happening? His feet, his ankles, his legs are experiencing something they've never experienced in all their life because he's been lame from birth. He's being able to made stand up on his own feet, something that 
is just foreign to him, but he's seeing it. It is a reality. He sees all these people each and every day being able to walk without any problem, but he's never experienced that. And he thought these guys would give them money. And for a minute, he was even disappointed because Peter's saying, I don't have any silver or gold to give you. And you can almost think that instant thought that he was probably thinking, well, then why are you talking to me? Then what business do we have to transact? You got nothing to give? Keep moving. But Peter gives what the man actually needed, not what he wanted. Peter reaches down to give him the healing that God had intended him to give, to give him something that is, we don't even know if his soul was crying out for it. Maybe he was sort of beyond hope. I'll never walk like these guys, so all I can do is make whatever living I can get. This is God's healing power in the life of a lame man. This is God's healing powers that starts to work in our life. Many of us can have that testimony about we did not have a hope. We didn't have a promise of our life being any different until God reached down through a friend or through a relative or through a Billy Graham crusade or through a movie or through somehow reached down through a person and picked us up, grabbed our hand, began to pull us forward, began to pull us up. We found muscles and spiritual uh, muscles that we never thought we had starting to be strengthened, an attitude of transformation. I remember Elder Rocky preaching some years ago, just his own journey, if you don't mind me, kind of a little bit impromptu, his own journey about trying a variety of different faiths, different spiritual experiences and realities. But it was only when God start to, started to get his attention in very specific and personal ways that he felt himself drawn, knowing that the truth was really the truth at that moment. And so while we see the lame man being healed and being pulled up, we who know Christ know that experience for ourselves. But I don't want to spiritualize it only because there's something real going on. There is a real man who's been lame from birth and he's really experiencing healing. And so what does Jesus want us to learn from that? With all the kinds of array of experiences that I was talking about at the beginning, does God still heal? Absolutely. And does he call us to be his agents of healing? He does. Who are the Peter and Johns in your world? Who are called to be Peter and John in this congregation or in this city or up the peninsula or down in San Jose? Is it not us? And you might say, well, you know, I'm all for reaching out and grabbing some guy who can't walk and seeing if he can stand to his feet. But that's not the only form of healing, is it? There's all kinds of healing. Oftentimes, wounds come from inside as well as lameness from outside. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But we are called to be Jesus' agents of healing. We are called to be his vessels of love and mercy that bring healing. You can see that there's divine appointments that are occurring. Peter and John had something that was on their agenda, but God had his own agenda. Who is God leading you to to be just a place of, of healing prayer, healing advice, even a doctor's referral in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, there are opportunities that God will provide to you to be vessels of healing. And how many of you can give a testimony about the power of healing prayer in a person's life? Okay, I see Sister Hill with her hand up. That's great. I, I, I'm glad Sister Hill's hand's up because she actually oversees our, our healing prayer ministry. You know, this is something, not every church does this, believe it or not, but we have a healing prayer ministry that meets on the fourth, formally on the fourth Saturday of the month. But informally, if somebody calls and they need healing or they want healing, this is a church that says, we still believe in the power of God to heal. We believe in the power of God to move when we pray. 
we believe that just as Peter and John were reaching down, God will reach down through us and through our prayers and raise people up and restore them. And so we're a church that is committed to that, that takes that seriously. God heals us physically. Sometimes he heals miraculously. As, as I was giving the report of the woman who, or the person who just said, you know, I had an x-ray and, you know, it was, had disease and now it's clear. That's miraculous. But oftentimes, God heals us, what? Kind of naturally, kind of through medical wisdom. Boys, our, our, our Christian world gets a little too wrapped up at times around, hey, if, if you really believe in God, you don't need a doctor. And there's some extreme versions of that. Let me just tell you, that's not from the Lord. God gave us doctors. He gave us their wisdom. We are to use that and use it well. And so oftentimes, he heals just through medical technology. I experienced that oh, in, about 10 years ago when I had um, cervical spine issues. Basically, the discs in my neck decided to take early retirement, and so they stopped working. And so, and they all, you know, early retirement, you go ahead and you, you uh, say, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm exiting. Well, they tried to exit out the, my spinal cord, which wasn't good, so it got compressed. So then I started to get numbness. I go to the doctor and he says, hey, I'm seeing the doctor on a Thursday. He said, I would have you in here on Saturday if I could get the team assembled, but I can't, so I will see you on a Tuesday. I'm like, wow, I just thought I was coming in for a checkup. And so he said, no, this is serious. And so now what do you do? You begin to think about, oh, should I even drive home? What if somebody rear-ends me? This is, you know, this is a big deal. What's going to happen? What does this look like? What's the recovery going to be? Um, I am praying throughout this time. And my, I can't actually honestly recall asking for miraculous healing prayer, but I guarantee you, I and my wife Vicki and our friends, our growth group, are praying that God would move in this surgeon's hands, his skills, that every member of that medical team would be up to the task, that they would be inspired, that everybody that had anything to do with this would be God's instruments of healing, that my own body would respond well. All those things, you guys know, you've prayed for people that have gone into surgery before. You should go down that list and ask for God to cover every aspect of that. Take nothing for granted. And so um, the surgery went well, and then the doctor gave me one of these. This is a neck brace. I had to wear this. Not much of, it's not much of a fashion statement, I know that. But uh, I had to wear this for about six to eight weeks. And I couldn't drive, and Vicki had to drive, and I had to sleep pretty much sitting up. But why did the doctor give me this? He gave it to make sure that all the stuff he'd done in the surgery would actually take hold, would actually grow stable, would actually allow me to support my own neck, and I wouldn't have to wear this more than on a temporary basis. And so being the good patient that I was, I actually wore this. I had to do a wedding in the middle of this recovery period, and the bride graciously asked me, you're not wearing that when you officiate the wedding, are you? And I graciously said no, trusting that the Lord would allow me a good few hours where I could take this thing off. So I did go ahead and, and do my eight weeks of, of neck brace, and the Lord did allow me a measure of recovery. And so I give him thanks. I give him thanks for that healing process. I've talked to other people where it hasn't gone as well as it could have because this is complex stuff. I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just thankful that he chose to heal in this way. And I'm thankful for medical wisdom. And I'm thankful that he gave me the grace to be obedient. 
and all those things. Many people here could testify to similar kinds of things. And so however God heals, whether it's miraculous, whether it's sort of organic through doctors or just through even through the process of time because sometimes things just go away, however that happens, we give God thanks. But what's the difficulty of this? The difficulty is that for all the times that we pray, for all the praiseworthy stories that we hear or that we can give as I can, there are times when God chooses not to heal in the way that we've been praying. There's times when the surgical outcomes aren't as good. There's times where what we've been praying about doesn't happen, where the person, our dearest person on earth, the one that we don't think we can live without, the one that we were made to be with, God has not seen fit to heal them in the way that we've been praying. And so rather than having a future with them for years to come, we have to say goodbye to them way too early. You know, if our faith is going to be real, it's going to be authentic, it has to deal with that. And so how do we deal with that? See, we're called to be God's agents of healing. We do that through prayer, and we trust that God's going to do that however, however he chooses to do. But there's times when what we do doesn't work. And so do we lose heart? Do we give up? Do we just avoid the whole subject altogether? My sense is that there's some people here today that just when it comes to healing prayer, you know, I tried it, and it didn't work. And so I'm going to do other things for the kingdom. But I'm just, I don't feel like that really works. And I hope that this is a word for you. Some people just say, well, I'll route them to a pastor if they need prayer because I don't have the faith to do that. And so what I want to say is sometimes in our Christian faith we can just say, I'm supposed to pray for healing. I read stories like Acts 3 and it doesn't happen. Something's wrong. Did I sin? Did, was, was my prayers not good enough? Did I fail to fast? Is there something going on? And I would say, no, here's, here's what God's doing with, with prayer, with healing of any kind. He is using it as a springboard to the gospel. And we see in this passage, he's using it as a stepping stone to be able to preach what is really life eternal. Because no matter how much you're healed in this world, eventually you'll pass on unless Jesus comes ahead of time, come before he takes you. But eventually, every one of us who has had his days prolonged miraculously or through a positive surgery or through whatever, there will come a time where we'll have to be with the Lord. And that's what's most on his mind. He wants to know that you have salvation forever, for time and eternity. So why I may heal you now, it is for the blessing of other people. And if I take you now, it doesn't mean that you can't bless other people. Let's look at that. The, the healing is a springboard to the gospel message. Verse, chapter 3, verses 11 to 16, I'm going to read. This follows on from where we just left off. So the man is leaping, walking and leaping and praising God. But while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that the murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. 
carries on. Let me just add verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. And this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying uh, that the Messiah would suffer. Then he gets to the punchline. Repent then and turn to God, verse 19, so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. There's the gospel presentation. What Peter is saying here is, in so many words, the healing of this man is just a setup. It was just, in one sense, to design, designed to show you the mighty power of God. But don't focus just on this spectacular, wonderful thing that you see before you. This man is walking and leaping and he's praising God. And the text is saying that he wouldn't even let Peter go. He's hanging on to him almost for dear life. You get the feeling that he thought that if he let Peter go, suddenly he would just collapse again and he would go lame. So he is hanging on. And Peter is saying, no, what the, the reason this is happening is so that you would know that Jesus is Lord. So in the name of Jesus is salvation. The salvation in this context is the healing of this man. What is salvation? Is it not the restoration of who God intended us to be, be originally to finally what, what he's designed us to realize? Adam and Eve in the garden, they were to be with Jesus, would be with the Lord forever, but they sinned and so they were cast out and death entered. But resurrection conquered death. Resurrection showed us that the way we were originally meant to be, to have life eternal with God, was once again possible. Amen. That when we are healed like this man was, he was restored to the way he was designed to be. He was designed to walk. Yes. And he was restored. And that's just a little down payment on the salvation message, the larger salvation message is that we were designed to be with God forever. Amen. And Peter is using this as a springboard, as a jumping off point to make that comment. And so when we think about healing, and we think, well, why, isn't my, why didn't my loved one get healed? Why, why is it that happening? I want to say two things. I want to say, first, we press on in prayer because we don't presume to know what God is doing. So you keep praying. You keep asking before him. If you need, like Moses did, you need Aaron and her to lift up your arms because you've grown weary interceding for those you care about, do so. That's why Sister Hill has the intercessory prayer team. That's why there is this healing prayer group, because it takes more than just one person to pray for people, to keep from growing weary. So keep doing that. But know that whether, as Paul said to Agrippa, whether long or short, however many days, I just pray that you get to know the Lord. And know that God will use whatever time you have, whatever time is going on, for his good purposes. God will use, whether he saves your loved ones or not, the people that you're praying for or not, he can use their lives for his gospel purposes. I saw this in my own life. My dad passed away about 15 years ago, partially due to complications from Alzheimer's. If you know anything about what he had for about 10, 11 years, if you know anything about it, it is 100% fatal. There's no cure for it. There's some things that you can do to slow down kind of the memory loss and the cognitive decline, but it is eventually is a degrading, debilitating disease. And it, sat, you know, it gets to your physiological functioning, and then you pass on. And I'm praying for healing, but not a lot. I'm really praying that God would utilize these days for, his, for my father's eternal welfare. My dad, if you knew my dad growing up, you'd know him to be kind of a proud man, kind of a stubborn guy, had his ideas, had his thoughts. He was okay if you had your own ideas and your thoughts, but he had his. 
And they didn't necessarily correspond to what we're just reading about the gospel. And even though as a young man, when I came back uh, saved from college and I'm sharing with him and I'm like, Dad, you got to hear this. This is great. He's like, okay, I heard it. Gave him the four laws, gave him the gospel. That's your truth. That's good. He just was stubbornly resistant to the message the whole time. And so then he gets this dementia, he gets this Alzheimer's. There are two things that God did that I don't know how he would have done it otherwise. The first thing he did, my brother and my sister and I had to care for my dad. You know, everybody, you have to sort of divide those roles because it takes a lot to care for one person, as some of you know. And I pray, especially for the, my heart prays for those that are just one person caring for a parent or two parents. That's a big deal. And so my brother and my sister and I got together, and God knit us together more and more as a family just by being able to care for my dad. And I saw, too, that that was a privilege to be able to honor him in his, as he grappled with this thing, as he gradually sort of the dad that we knew faded away by inches, by degrees, and by days. And that was hard, but I was thankful for what God was doing in the life of my brother and my sister and myself, bringing us together in love. But the other thing that I'll always be grateful to the Lord for was God using that disease to bring my father to faith. Because what happens when you have dementia, what happens when Alzheimer's gets a hold of you, it is a regressive disease. And so what was once stubborn and proud and adult becomes weaker and more childlike. You actually regress to previous stages. Now, that's hard in a whole lot of ways. But as you remember as a kid, kids are more innocent. They're more open. They're more amenable to truth. And I just began to see my dad soften just softened to the point where even in the midst of this disease, we said, you know, Dad, if you're open, we'll take you to the Billy Graham crusade that actually had come through. I can't remember what year that was. Some of you guys know with a better history uh, mind than mine. But he's at the cow palace, and we said, Dad, let, let's go. Do you want to go? And there wasn't any of the resistance. So we got him in the car, we drove up, and I'm not sure how much he's taking in. I don't know how this message is striking him. It's, it's a hard disease to, to navigate in terms of progress or decline. But all of a sudden, at the invitation to come forward, who stands up? Who starts going forward? Who starts, like, wow, thank you, Lord. I, I don't know how he would have used that otherwise. I mean, there's just some people you know that they're stubborn to the end. And so if that's what it was, if, if God in his grace and mercy used the fallenness in this life to help my dad get to the, to the beauty and the permanence of the next, praise God for that. And so some of you that are, have loved ones that are battling that, see how God is using it. See how he's using them in, in, your, in their life. How is he using you in their life? It's to pray. It's to be alongside. It's to be a vessel of mercy. You know, we are agents of healing. We are agents of blessing. But if God doesn't choose to answer our prayers, it doesn't mean that his saving purposes aren't realized. And it doesn't mean if some of you are going through debilitating illness and and you're not sure how that's going to turn out, and you're praying mightily, know that God is using every one of your days to be a blessing to countless people if you've offered yourself like that. So I just want to, it's just so much on my heart. I think of, of Psalm 139:16 in this. The psalmist says, Your eyes, referring to the Lord, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That gives me comfort. I don't know how many days I have. I don't know whether they'll be all healthy or marked by illness at the end, as is often common. But I know that God has had every day ordained for me even before he put me on the planet. 
So my goal, my hope, my prayer, the thing that I want you to join with me in, and uh, you know, in your small group and in this church, is like, Lord, help us to use our days wisely. Help us to maximize them for your gospel, to bring glory to you. So whether we get healing or whether we don't, we get to glorify the God, the God who made us and who saved us. We're agents of healing. We keep praying. We keep persevering. We want to be used like Peter, like John were in this. But I can't help but think that many of us identify more with the lame man, the man who was lame from birth, because we look at ourselves and we see we are so inadequate. We think that we can't be those people. We can't be used of the Lord. And if that's you, I want to say that no, God has a plan for your inner man, just like he did for the lame man. See, the lame man was healed outwardly. Paul said, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We see a healing of this man being able to stand and walk like he was never able to before. The outward man is healed, but what about the inward man? And Paul, the apostle, is concerned about that. He says, he prays this for the Ephesian church. He says in Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 20, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, that means all of us in heaven and on earth, we're the earth part, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now say what you will about Paul, but he packs a whole lot of theology in a whole small space of words, right? So let's kind of unpack that a bit. Here's what's happening. Paul is saying, I want every one of you to be strengthened in your inner man, that place where your heart is, your will, your affections, your emotions, your mind. That's the inner man that he's talking about. I want all of that strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we are all together or when you are together in your small group or your recovery group or your prayer group, when we are all together, the love of Christ is so much on display that people will say, I, don't, I can't even tell you where it starts, how deep it goes, how wide it is, how long it is. It's just the love of God that I see. That's what happens when we allow each of us to be strengthened in our inner man. And that's what Paul's prayer is. And I think that that's where this text finds us, that we would love to be agents of healing. But we know that we need to be strengthened in our inner man. We know that we need to come together to experience what the Lord has for us. There's so many places where we can do that here, which I give thanks for. I think of mom's time out. And no, my wife Vicki did not pay me to say this, but uh, I think of Mom's Time Out, which is a ministry to moms in this church. Because when you talk to moms, very few of them think, you know, if I'm really honest, I, I don't think I'm doing a great job. And I, I lose my temper too much. I don't feel like I have the time I want to tend to my children. I feel like they're stubborn. I don't know what to do with that. They won't eat the things I want them to eat. I had another meltdown in aisle five the other day. There's just so many things that make me think that I'm not a great mom. And Mom's Time Out is the kind of community that Ephesians is talking about. It is the kind of community where each person is letting the Lord strengthen them, and then they come together, 
And there's mentor moms that come. These are women that are older, who have, whose kids have grown up, who've kind of been through the, the, some of the battles, and they say, you know what, it'll be okay. They say, here's the verse that helped me with that situation. They say, you're doing a lot better than you realize. They say that God is for you. Who can be against you? And in that fellowship, in that time, each, every other week in which it meets, there's an opportunity for a group of moms who want to bless their children and want to glorify God by that high calling just to be better just to know that the encouragement is there, just to be the moms that God's really shaped them to be. And that's not particular to moms. There's other groups. We all need, here's the point, we all need to be in places of healing and community like that if we're going to be used the way God wants us to use. But what holds us back? What holds us back from that? I mean, God is trying to strengthen our inner man, our mind, our will, our emotions, our affections. But some of us are just stuck in places from a long time. Some of us feel like the lame man because he was lame from birth. And some of us are just aware of thought patterns, sin patterns, besetting issues that have just, as long as we can remember, they've been part of our personality. They've been part of who we are. And we don't think that we're ever going to get victory over those. We, it's all we can do. The lame man is sitting in, by the temple. He's not going into it because he can't. All he can do is try to eke out a few coins from people that have some kind of compassion for them. And if we're honest, sometimes that's how we look at our Christian faith. I got so many junky things inside of me that I don't believe God would ever really use me. So I'm just going to stay kind of around here. I'm really not going to get plugged in. I'm not going to get too involved because I'm so aware of the stuff that's inside that needs healing. And guess what? If you feel that way, let me let you in on a secret. Everybody else feels that way too. Right? We've all been in that place. Look, oftentimes if you feel that way, if you've always felt like something's wrong or something's at issue or you're not, you don't have the worth that you keep hearing God has given you and other people, you know that there's a reason for that. And the reason was that when you were a kid, you were in an environment that did not affirm you in the ways that God wants children to be affirmed. That you're in a chaotic environment and when you're in chaos, you're just trying to survive. You don't know what that's like. You know, you had love that was conditional. You had some kind of substance abuse. Maybe there was verbal abuse, emotional abuse. You had something that was going on that was not of God. But that was the environment that, in which you were raised. And you had to deal with that as only a child can. See, a child, you couldn't deal with it as an adult because you weren't an adult. You were a child. Well, how does a child process stuff? A child's world is the child. This is my world. It's me, myself, and I. And this is why kids always like mom to come and dad to come and they like toys and like cake and they like all the things because that's how, that's how we think when we're kids. It's about me. But when stuff happens that you can't deal with, when stuff happens that you can't control, you still think it's about you. And you still think, if I, I have to do something about this. I have to save them. I have to rescue them. I have to do something in order to get this to stop. And when that happens, we get stuck in places. Our development just kind of gets stuck. And you know this, and you have people on your job site that know this. How do you know that this is going on? There's somebody in your job site, maybe you've had a, a disagreement about something at work, and you talk to them about the point, but they're coming at you with a lot of drama. And then pretty soon they're, they're making personal insults about your intelligence or, or about your worth. And they're saying all kinds of things, and you can't talk to them rationally about what's going on. And pretty soon it occurs to you, and you say, honestly, I'm talking to a 12-year-old. 
Like I'm talking to somebody who's not, they're an adult, they're about 35 or 40, but in their, their emotional age, they're a lot younger. Now, maybe somebody's actually saying those same things about you, by the way, right? They're like, oh, man. So maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the one who's bringing drama. If, if we didn't have that kind of develop, those de- developmental issues, um, there would be no reality TV shows. But the reason those things are out there is because people are kind of so messed up and they're taking that stuff that ought to be cured and dealt with and they're bringing it into their adult life, bringing it into their family, bringing it into their workplace, bringing it into their neighborhood. And God says, I want to strengthen your inner being so that that is no longer part of who you are. So that if you were lame at one point, if that was your background, I want you to see Jesus kind of reaching down, grabbing you by the hand, and lifting you up. Lifting you up through a small group. Lifting you up through a pastoral conversation. Lifting you up through His Word. Lifting you up in some way so that you're standing on your feet, so that the things that you've never experienced before in terms of good emotional health, you now begin to experience. You now begin to understand. And there's ways to do that. There, I mean, go to God through his word. Find out what he says about you. Don't believe anymore the lies that you were raised with that said that you were not valuable, that said that you were no good, that you weren't ha- worth having a dad be around, that you weren't, didn't have intelligence, that you didn't have beauty the way that people were defining beauty. That all these negative things that we're told are not from God. But they were so powerful when we were kids and we just sort of internalize them. That does not have to be your destiny. That You don't have to stay by the temple anymore thinking that. You can be lifted up by the Word of God. Go to His Word. Find out that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and your soul, my soul knows it well, says Psalm 139. If that's not into your, from your head to your heart, keep saying it till it gets there. Let that Word replace the stuff that was put there a long time ago and over a long period of time. But here's the deal. When we are wounded like that, we are wounded by people. Most of the time by people close to us. And if we're going to come out from underneath that, if we're going to stand to our own two feet, we're going to have our inner man strengthened, yes, it's by the work of the Spirit, but He works through the Peter and Johns in your life. He works through the small groups that are there. He works through the communities that are there, that have been set up, that have been established. Look, we don't do this as a pastoral team just because it's on the job description. We do this because this is life and health and peace and power in the Spirit and the way to get to be the person that you've always been designed to be. And we eat our own food, by the way. We eat our own cooking. I mean, like, I love my group. I need my group. Pastor Toby leads a couple. He will tell you he loves his group and he needs that group. Nobody's coming from a place of superiority. We are fellow journeymen on the way because we all need that healing. And so God will put you, if you're willing, to be in a community. He'll bring you into a group that says, you are better. You can stand up. We're going to help you stand up. And when he does that, sometimes if you have an issue from the past, like anger, there's an anger management group that, that Pastor Toby runs. It's anger management for men, and it's coping with attitude for women. So, but they both kind of do the same thing. And so you'll go in there with your anger and your stuff, and you'll meet some loving brothers and sisters, and they'll put kind of a brace around you. It'll look like this. You won't, you know, again, you won't, you'll feel a little uncomfortable. You'll be a little self-conscious about how you look. But this is a brace of accountability. This is a brace of specific words that speak to you about anger, about what God does with that, that speak to you about the value of people and what God does when we forgive. 
And when you're in that environment, however long that is, when I was healing physically, this was six to eight weeks, in some of these cases and classes, if you will, these opportunities, these will be for a concentrated period of time. But you get accountability, you get the word of God, you get encouragement, and you get a lot of prayer, and after a while, you can get to a place where those issues aren't the same issues you're dealing with, where you're free, where you can let it go, where you can say, I once was angry, but then the people around you say, man, what happened to you? You're a different person. And you say, you know what? God's strengthening me in my inner man. You know what? He's healed me of that issue. You know how? Because I got into his word and I started hearing his truth. You know how? Because God brought me into a loving community of people who helped me for the first time. I'm in a community of people that aren't trying to run some kind of game on me, aren't trying to knock me down, aren't trying to use me, aren't trying to get something from me, but they're helping me stand to my feet in the power and love of Jesus Christ. That's healing. That's healing of the inner man. And if we're going to be God's people, if we're going to be agents of love, forgiveness, if we're going to be agents of healing, if we're going to allow God to use us like he was using Peter and John on the way to the temple, where somebody comes into your life and you're just led to pray for them, or you're led to put your hand upon them and ask God to bless them and heal them in a certain way, or you're sitting beside them quietly because you're helping them heal through a season of grief, because there are a lot of different ways to heal, a lot of different things that we need to be healed of. So it's not just physical disease. It could be a variety of different things. But however God is working, using you in their life, be open to that. But know that we are the best agents of healing as we ourselves are allowing God to heal us. And so at once we are both encouraged by Peter and John and we are encouraged by what God does through the lame man. And I pray that in the days ahead we really take on what happened in Acts 3 in our lives as individuals, in our families, and in our church. Amen? Amen.